the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down, welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. And this is, um, this is Emily, I'm here with my husband Jim Anger. Yes, and you are more more to me than usual. I am. I'm I'm recovering from some kind of virus, probably brought on by little being at, like taking pictures at a daycare <laughs> last last week. Yep. Lots of the germy germy toddlers. We I thought we were out out of the germy toddler phase, but apparently you know there's still there's still occasion. Yeah. Well, I, I I do occasionally hear from people that listen to the podcast um they ask about why why periodically you talk about wanting to have more babies. <laughs> how, how does this sickness do I, experience relate to that? Do I say that on the podcast? Do I really? You do. It's really a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really kind of like asking or telling Jim that we're getting a dog. Yeah. Both the things the, both things are things that Jim and I are in a hundred percent agreement that will not happen, but. Sometimes I like teasing <laughs> just to make him uncomfortable. I know it. <laughs> um, I do like babies, just really not toddlers. By the time mm. they're sneezy and ger- like goo- gooey, gooey nostril stuff. It's a phase. I don't know. Anyway, um, we're coming off from some candy sugar lows, some people, not me actually, <laughs> but... Um, Halloween was yesterday. Halloween was yesterday. We had fun. Yeah. Did you like Halloween when you were growing up? You know, Pat McAdams, when we were filming, shout out to Pat and the Ooh. first ever video, Five Golden Things, he, he asked me if I had any Halloween stories to share as part of that podcast, either as an outtake or to, to work it in. And he was surprised when I said, I don't really think I had yeah, any. Yeah, that's why I, I kind and he of was have like, suspected you, that. And he... Or, this, I don't mean this to toot my own horn. He said, Jim, you have stories about everything. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Halloween, I, I really got nothing. It, it is. I'm not anti-Halloween. It, but yeah, I just... I, yeah, but it is like an odd thing about, I, I just feel like your mom saved costumes of yours, like Batman <laughs> and right. really Batman's the only one I can remember, like the cape. Yep. Um, so you did do Halloween. Yeah, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I I was never somebody that would put a ton of time and effort into costumes. Maybe yeah. that would be part of it. And New Orleans had tons of fun haunted houses. It would probably be illegal at this point mm-hmm. for various reasons. But I enjoy going to the haunted houses. And pretty, yeah, pretty standard. Nothing, Just, nothing nefarious. Yeah, I feel bad. And I did spend after Pat asked me that the, the next couple of days thinking, do I really have no Halloween stories? Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. Who knew? That must be why you sometimes want to phone Halloween in now. Oh, yeah. I totally did not want to be outside (laughs) handing out candy to kids yesterday. I had an excuse. I know. Um, It was good. I'm glad I I should have done it. I've been preaching about reaching out beyond oneself. And I actually kept that sermon in mind when I was sitting there. You're so funny. Other people actually enjoy it. They enjoy sitting outside and watching their neighbors and watching the cute little kids. Yeah, I think that <laughs> our Helen Wolves appreciate the fact that 
their pastor is as mythanthropic as I am. Do they, though? I think they do. <laughs> you get me. You see me okay, out there, Helen Wolves. Okay, let's move on to qu- call it Stormy Monday. We are on this Monday, um, actually Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Is it Tuesday or Monday? Hello. <laughs> um, we are excavating your sermon from this past Sunday. Um, this past Sunday was um, a, a message about baptism, about circumcision. Circumcision to, and to baptism. Everybody wants to know. Yeah, well, you were likewise sick on Sunday and stayed home. How did I look when you when you watched? Does, uh, does the camera add 10 pounds? Or? <laughs> I, I can't was, was say it I really pay attention. I mean, to how you looked. I, okay. I was listening more than looking. That's fine. That's fine. Just thought I'd ask. I'm not a visual learner. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we were talking about circumcision and baptism. And um, in brief, the burden that I carried into the pulpit this Sunday was to be clear and interesting when talking about these couple of subjects. Understanding that I don't think of all the burning questions that people in our cultural context might have about Christianity, that circumcision and baptism are yeah. are top of the list. Mm-hmm. So I felt the, I felt some pressure to say, hey, I don't want this to be the most boring sermon right, ever. Right, right. And I wanted to, like I said in the sermon, cast some vision positively for baptism. And uh-huh. I think for a lot of Christians, especially because we're not super high church at Liberty Collingswood when it comes to sacraments, that because we don't do baptism super often and then for the opposite reason because we do the lord's supper every sunday Mm -hmm. it might be some those two sacraments might be things that we don't think a ton about Mm -hmm. but i think we should probably think about both of them a little bit more so i was burdened in that direction and then also another challenge this sermon was more systematic theological than Mm -hmm. i usually preach And it's always challenging to me in that direction to make such a sermon interesting because, and I love systematic theology. I've read thousands and thousands of pages of systematic theology over the years, but especially when it comes to sermon, systematic theology can be pretty static. There's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of action. There's not always obvious delivery points. So I was just saying, okay, we're going to do it because the flip side is, I think this is the long been preaching at Liberty Collins for a lot of years now. This is probably the most that I've ever preached on baptism in any sermon. So hmm. eventually you got to get around to it. And then, yeah, talking a lot about circumcision too. Why not? <laughs> Fun times, guys. Yes. Fun times. Um, and like the, in a more forward thinking way, like what, what are the takeaways that you were hoping for, for the congregation? Not just to like have to think about these things, but Christian live into your baptism. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I guess we'll flush that out soon. Yes. Um, should we move into Sun Studios when you tell us a little bit more specifically about this passage? Please. So this is Genesis chapter 17. One of the main tracks, main storylines of the book of Genesis I've been mentioning both in the podcast and in the sermons that the Abraham cycle sort of alternates between side stories and main stories. And the covenant that God's making with Abraham is the main thing. A little bit, I actually thought of genealogies that I've been preaching from in Genesis in relation to this sermon. Because this is the third of four covenant chapters in the Abraham cycle, 12, 15, 17, and 22, I took a similar tactic to what I 
was doing with the genealogies, where the point is not to go over the same stuff over and over again, but to find what's different and not just retread the couple of sermons that I've talked about already with Covenant. And the new stuff, in a minor key way, there's Abraham finally getting the name change. So, and we don't have to toggle back and forth in our minds on this podcast anymore between Abraham and Abraham. Abraham. Right. So, and Sarah is going to be renamed Sarah very soon as well. I didn't mention in the sermon, there is a little bit of a new aspect. Well, I guess I talked about it tangentially. The new stuff includes God being more explicit that this is an everlasting covenant, even though I think it's implied in chapters 12 and 15. And then also the first hint that Abraham's line will be a royal line, and kings shall come from you, it says in Genesis 17:6. Also a new little tidbit there, carrying forward to David and the monarchy and being fulfilled in Jesus. So those were new tidbits, but the really big new part that I focused on was circumcision. Okay. Um, and I feel like, I feel like we can go to muddying the waters just to speak specifically about the difficult context of circumcision and baptism, unless you want your name. Am I moving too quickly? <laughs> I was asked to move quickly during this, this, this a, particular podcast. The, you want me to stay longer? Well, yeah, let, <laughs> let, let, let's talk about baptism itself here, Em, and then in muddying the waters, we can talk about some imp- implications and ramifications. So, and before the podcast or before we started recording, you told me that you find it very sexy when I say synecdochic. Oh my gosh. I was, I was like, how do you even spell that? Number one. And number two, I was not entirely clear why we needed the term. (laughs) (laughs) Part for whole. So circumcision is such a big deal that even though realistically circumcision is part of God's covenant with Abraham, God's covenant with the Israelites, it's such a big deal that it can stand in for the whole thing. Like it says in verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. As far as I know, I I haven't thought about this question until this moment in these terms, but I think this is the only aspect of the covenant that God made with the Israelites where this one part substitutes for the whole. So, Uh So it's not sacrificial system is the covenant. It's not the priestly system is the covenant, but circumcision is the covenant. And I tried to make that point by way of using a word that people don't use very often. So part for very whole. Very often. <laughs> not every day. Define very often. Not, not a quotidian <laughs> word. The boots on the ground, wheels for the whole car. Did, did, did you catch how I made, and this, this was actually a subtle nod to Halloween. Did you catch how I made a slight reference to sawing off people's hands? I missed that Oh, one. yeah. It, it was more of a visual, <laughs> and it, it was good for me. So to, to carry forward there um, about baptism, there's the synecdochic. It's a synecdoche part of the covenant, standing in for all of the covenant sacramental, where there's this whole thing, and maybe, it, who knows if it was clear or not. I did the best job that I could. Sacramental stuff is the sign and the thing signified, so as the sign of the covenant is a paring down, a humbling of the flesh that points forward sacramentally to the thing signified, namely the same thing happening to the heart. 
It was fun to talk about how matter matters, and we'll talk at the end of the podcast. you got to keep listening so we can get your side of the story. I'm about engagement rings and that sort of thing. Possessive, where we're, we're, we're claimed by God in some way through circumcision, and then gracious. God commands Israel to practice circumcision, but then the end of Deuteronomy, looking forward to future blessing, we read that God himself will circumcise the hearts of his people. Mm-hmm. And all of those five aspects, synecdochic and sacramental, material and possessive and gracious, likewise carry over to baptism. And Helen Wolves, I want you to know that I had these five aspects of the circumcision and baptism sort of woven into the sermon from the beginning of when I started writing the sermon. I tried to get some alliteration going between those five things. But, Why? Uh, yeah, I, I just let that <laughs> Wait, I alliterative thought, I thought, ship sail. I thought you. I never mind. Well, it, so so I I don't I really don't care about alliterating, but I do like at least some rhythm or cadence to my points that have some sort of balance to them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be starting letter. Mm-hmm. I was frustrated that synecdochic and sacramental material and possessive and gracious. It's- it's really frustrating. It doesn't have anything. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, did, I did try. And one of the things that is confirming to me, I referenced when I started talking about baptism, Colossians 2, about how Paul seems to make a parallel in verses 11 and 12 between circumcision and baptism. One of the things theologically that confirms that reading of Colossians chapter 2 is that if it seems pretty clear to me, even on the basis of this passage, synecdochic, sacramental, material, possessive, gracious, all relate to circumcision, it's confirming that those same five things can be applied very clearly to baptism too. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem very talkative I'm about sorry. Sac- sacramental theology. My brain no, is okay. really fuzzy and like the, uh, I appreciate that it's, interesting conceptually but i think the um for me again my part part of why i want to move to muddying the waters is because the (laughs) the context of those two things are really interesting to me about baptism culturally right now and um circumcision culturally which there is an aspect that i'm not positive you're fully aware of but like in the like mommy circles circumcision is actually a thing oh tell me more (laughs) there's nothing about what you're going to tell me that I'm not intrigued by. I'm just saying, like, culturally, those are the two things that are where my brain, like, like it, are interested in resolving itself, and it's less the... What do the mommy groups, are, are they more anti-circumcision at this point? Uh, there's de- there's actually, like, wide debate, but... Uh, so that's okay. actually, like... I, I mean, I guess... It depends on what mommy group you're looking at, which which so is... like health and hygiene considerations, and, and then there's body like, keeping the score for re-traumatizing. Yeah, there's the two perspectives. So there's yeah, uh, right. Those are basically the two perspectives. Yeah, and I'll I'll make a note to put that on the list of things I'll never Google. So. <laughs> I mean, they're out there. It is it is a cultural thing that I feel like you weren't addressing. <laughs> Helen Wolves, <laughs> post they blues at gmail.com. We'll, we'll, we'll go deep here. The theological versus the like societal, the today's societal perspectives on circumcision. Yep. So one other thing with <laughs> Sun Studio's presence of the Lord before mudding the waters. I, th- oh, I, I was talking about this in some group recently. I think it was our In Covenant class a couple of weeks ago. 
one other theological section that I thought about adding to the sermon where my sacramental theology is within the broader traditions of the church. As I see it, I locate myself within the mainstream Protestant consideration of the sacraments, where on one hand you have Roman Catholicism that says in the sacraments, including the Lord's Supper and baptism, there's a physical transformation of bread and wine into body and blood of Jesus, for example. And in a pretty literal, physical way, grace is ingested by taking the Lord's Supper. Grace is physically transferred. And there's the activity of the Holy Spirit, but the physical aspect is accented when you're baptized, either as a kid or as an adult. Then on the other hand, you have the radical reformation and what's been called, and there's not a one-to-one correspondence here, but the Anabaptist tradition from the Reformation period that held that people coming out who were ejected, and all the Protestants were ejected from the Roman Catholic Church. Anna in Greek means again. They held that you needed to be baptized again. That understanding of the sacrament says that there's nothing really special about Lord's Supper and baptism beyond giving you an opportunity to respond and remember, but there's no grace that's bound to the sacraments themselves. The mainstream Reformed tradition disagrees with the Radical Reformation on one end saying that there is real presence of grace in the sacraments, not physically, disagreeing on the other side with the Roman Catholics, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in a mysterious way, God binds his grace to these two sacraments. And I wanted to, you know, that was excised from the sermon, wanted to talk about it here. And that's all I have for Sun Studio's Presence of the Lord. Okay, got it. Um, so moving on to muddying the waters and the, the, the fun the fun stages of constructing the sermon. So. <laughs> I just said synecdochic over and over again during the sermon. <laughs> I loved it. I think it's sexy when I say it, but people's mileage may vary. Um, so the other context that it's actually like related to what you're just saying, but the other context is like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast that baptism doesn't come up or baptism and circumcision don't come up a lot. Mm-hmm. I really do think they do in South Jersey. Number one, the, oh, the circumcision, yeah. the circumcision one really genuinely in mommy groups, like the first male baby, there is a little bit of like, Maybe, I I guess it's unspoken, but like there's disagreements between husbands and wives about Mm -hmm. the issue. Um, And it it does have to do with either medical, it doesn't have to do with the spiritual aspect um, or the spiritual marker. But there are also people critiquing it from a feminist perspective, saying like, why is it the male? Sure. Um, why is the male marker marked in Israel? And um, if if the babies are given like standard vaccination shots does that affect please the stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then with baptism in south jersey it is actually a really big thing and um i have like been asked to take photos of baptisms oh, yeah. um or people up like just on the photography um facebook groups there's always people who want photos for their baptism mm-hmm. um photos for the the, the um celebration after the baptism with there's big family parties it's, right. it's all very catholic and 
I don't, I genuinely don't know how much is like actual belief in the sacrament as, mm-hmm. as Catholics um, are practicing it or if it's tradition. Yeah. And then you have some remnants of people who come to our church who like, there's, there's two perspectives. Like one, you could come wanting to reject that and like, so being skeptical of right. baptism or then two Empty rituals. Right, too, being really, really focused and like wanting to maintain that. So inviting, yeah. inviting friends and family right. and having a baptism party after. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, as I think about it, on Sundays where we do have baptisms, there usually is an uptick in attendance because friends and family are invited, including ones that might not even be Christian or churchgoers. Mm-hmm. There's still some cachet out there. Hey this child or I as an adult were being baptized right. to want to come and celebrate and have a party. Yeah. So I feel like there's a societal remnant that I, I don't know. Okay. I, I feel like it's there. Well, I guess that reinforces what I was talking about at the beginning of the sermon, where if something really is important, you want some type of physical, tangible sure. manifestation of it. Yeah. <laughs> so the question then becomes... Will you appreciate your baptism if you are baptized? Will you be intrigued by baptism? Do you want to be baptized? Do you want to become a follower of Jesus and receive this right? And are you living out? A couple times in the sermon, too, and this is not something that I developed at length, I thought about what other sorts of things will tend to mark us, whether it's tattoos, clothing, mm-hmm. jewelry, yard signs. It's actually not that crazy of a thing where in a lot of different ways we do have these markers sometimes bodily upon us that go in both directions one they reflect who we are but then also they form who we are at the same time and so on that line of reasoning baptism sort of fit some of those fit some of those paradigms and i did want people to think at least a little bit with some intentionality, what might be marking us that we might not even fully realize. Sure. Yeah. I'm still thinking about those mommy groups. <laughs> I can add you to them. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll have to give you my burner, my burner accounts. Um, can we move on to bar band cover tunes? Sure. We are moving here. Um, References. I have the book "The Body Keeps the Score." Yeah. Actually, let me let me see who. Or, or, let me pull that up. So keep talking for um, one. And that is like the the whole. I I guess you were talking at that point about um, how physicality or physical manifestations. You were just saying like tattoos. Um, Matter signs, matters. Yard, like that. That there are specific things. Um, that are uh, not just um, identity, like some kind of like um, invisible identity markers, but there are there are um, physical things that happen to yep. people that affect them as yeah. humans later on. That's like an interesting thing to me. So I, this this book you were referencing, yes, the body keeps the score by Vessel Vanderkolk, M.D. I haven't read the book, but a number of people that I know, and including listeners of this podcast, have read the book and say that it's really good about how trauma is tracked bodily and physically, mm-hmm. and how we're not just affected emotionally by trauma, but 
it's it's baked into who we are physically as well. So trauma recovery does have a very physical component. And I don't think I mentioned him by name during the sermon, but it was first Ta-Nehisi Coates that I came across in reading him when he was talking about structural racism, about how bodies, mm-hmm. how oppression and racism constitutes attacks on black bodies to this to this present day emphasizing just mentioning those things again to connect with how physical science. physical stuff really 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 matters and you can even think about pandemic in that connection too where especially during lockdown we registered absence of physical presence mm-hmm. with with one another so it's who knows if Zoom happy hours will ever come back again, but Zoom happy hours suck because <laughs> it's just not as good being at a bar, being around the table with friends. Uh, Zoom high five versus a real hug matter matters. True enough. Um, you mentioned a pastor named Kumon. Is that true? That is that was that a John Mark name? Comer? Comer. Oh, I can't read my own handwriting. Who's... I don't know. It's my handwriting. You don't complain about my handwriting. Um, but the Harold idea and John that Mark Comer go to White Castle. <laughs> the <laughs> the um, idea that baptism should be our primary pledge of allegiance, that baptism is a marker. Yep. So Comer was talking specifically about some of the political polarizations. That quote came from, oh man, Live No Lies, Tell No Lies. I don't have the title in front of me. I'm not going to look it up. Live No Lies. I think it, it, it's what it is, talking about how our allegiance to Jesus needs to be fuller, deeper, richer, more primary than our allegiance to a political party or a person. And he ties it at one point back to baptism, mm-hmm. where baptism signals to you that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and nobody else. So had John Mark Comer, there is a quote by St. Francis, in baptism we have died the only death that matters. That, that That's an attributed quote. I forget where I got... I came across that quote in another book. I didn't follow up. But that I had a note that said it's attributed and not maybe certain that that quote comes from him. So take it for what, it's, take, take it for what it's worth. I also cut out for the sake of time, but it's attributed to Martin Luther when he was asked by somebody at one point, how do you know that you're saved or how do you know that you're a Christian? Luther said, because I'm baptized, which also speaks mm-hmm. to the importance of, of baptism. Also, Deuteronomy, Colossians 2, 11 and 12, the connection between circumcision and baptism. To round out the Bible passages, we have Titus 3, verse 4, when Titus speaks of the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Most people think that that's a baptismal reference okay. there. And that's all I got. Barbank cover tunes. Anything okay. else catch your ear? Um, Web 3.0. Do you think that yeah. we're just old people who hmm. aren't recognizing that virtual realities can be reality? So <laughs> I, I, give genuine thought to that question and I am undecided. Okay. I mean, I'm undecided also. Yeah. I just feel like I was either listening, I think I was listening to a podcast about um, some people who were like some journalists, skeptical journalists who were entering the web 3.0 yep. with the like Amazon uh, headset, the meta, yep. the metaverse. Right. Um, 
and did encounter people who did seem to have genuine relationships there. Yeah. I'm torn. On the one hand, it's old man shouting at Cloud, like, come on, what are we even doing here? But there is proof in the pudding in the other direction that people do seem to have genuine connections, friendships, huge aspects of their lives are lived out online. And I think the rubber hits the road with something like visual church, virtual church, mm-hmm, where okay. I, it, it would actually be cool for me to preach an emotion capture a costume or outfit. That would be <laughs> my, my pastoral cosplay. But there are virtual churches out there. So we live stream our worship service. I was there. Yep. On my laptop, so, not really watching, but listening. So that's not that's not virtual church in the oh, way... Oh, I see. The VR headset with, right, with an avatar. That, that some churches are doing virtual church where, yeah, you, you have your avatar. You're in a physical... You're not in a physical room. You're, a metaverse you're, you're, room. You're in a metaverse room, and the preacher is preaching an avatar. And in some cases... Baptism is, is administered and the Lord's Supper is is received. But that mm-hmm. does, I would have to do a lot more thinking and processing to become comfortable with that, especially when it comes to sacraments, because matter matters. And what mm-hmm. it seems, intuitionally, it seems to me an oxymoron to talk about a virtual baptism or a sure. virtual Lord's Supper, because the whole point is that it's physical. Right. But that's a species of a larger genus of questions that I'm still still thinking through. Okay, well, maybe that was a guitar slim picking. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other stories behind the sermon? I guess you have the one that we you were teasing from the beginning yeah. of your sermon. I feel like I feel like I don't even have a story to tell exactly because. <laughs> <laughs> what a letdown! It's not fresh anymore. Was, was it? Well, let's start here with the engagement ring story. Was uh-huh. it factually accurate? I guess. So, I... Yes? Yeah, Micah told us that when we were retelling it at the dinner time table, or the dinner table, he was, he was telling us, uh, you were just ahead of your time. And I think that's... So the thing I, that ultimately comes down for me, mm-hmm. where I don't feel like it's true or a good example, is that I ultimately think I don't need the symbol of a ring. Okay. I think that's proven by the fact that I never, ever, 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 ever wear that ring. That you have <laughs> told me I could, I can get another ring. I can choose one. But, like, I have just, I just would rather be on a vacation with you than get a ring, which is, mm. like, kind of the same price. I'd rather, I'd rather, like, have a flight to wherever. Mm-hmm. Whatever it depends on yeah. the stock market and the not the stock market the pl- flight fares at the time, um, so the fact that that's true means that I don't care about a ring, and yeah. So for you, was it primarily peer pressure, or just getting tired of people asking? I guess so. I I guess it was a momentary moment of weakness in which <laughs> <laughs> my actual stance of like the ring doesn't matter. Was I, I was like, I submitted to peer pressure for a little bit and then like came to realize that my original instinct was correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. I came to appreciate the significance of the engagement ring. Then why don't I have a ring? <laughs> I don't know. To... If you really cared about it, then like I would have a real ring, right? So, so we are going to post or Pat McAdams is going to post a picture of, of the ring the, the ring itself is not very pretty either. 
the backstory there is that it was my mom's engagement ring from yeah, which way back she in the day. didn't like, and so she got a new one because later. Because it was ugly. <laughs> it was small and ugly. So the this, actual diamonds? Yeah, yeah. This, this ring has, has a long tradition of being unloved. <laughs> it's, like it's like a turd that's passed down from generation yeah. to generation. Michael, Michael and Josiah they both say they want it to like give to their, whenever they get engaged, they're right. like, they're but they not going to like it. They haven't seen it oh up my gosh. close. Actually, they have. They looked at it. Micah was like, I could use this. Okay. Yeah. So it's an emerald cut for a diamond. Uh, emerald, is, is... emerald cut is actually very popular now, again. But it, oh, I know. They're usually bigger. I, I don't know. <laughs> they're usually bigger. I don't yeah. mind the cut of diamond. I think it could be nice in a in a simple setting. But... Do, you, do you remember where I gave you the ring? Uh, it's okay in, if you don't. Yeah, the tea house in London. High tea yeah. in London. That was pretty great. That was a great moment. It was a moment. It didn't need a ring to be a moment. <laughs> in in retrospect, maybe we should have done the ring presentation at like a Don Pablo, so they could have brought out a sombrero yeah. and sing. Every time Happy I was pregnant, my, my that didn't happen at Harrods for high tea. Every time I was pregnant, my fingers would swell up, and so I I learned that like by second pregnancy, I learned that I needed to take off my ring before before it was going to like make my finger puff up and swell. Mm-hmm. I think I bought like a Walmart ring to like replace it at sometimes, and then I'd forget it or. I grew to, like, enjoy the idea. Like, I'd have, like, my two little kids, Micah and Josiah, and mm-hmm. then no wedding band and being obviously pregnant with a third. I, like, liked, I liked how people would perceive me. I don't understand you. Minus the ring, because it doesn't matter. The ring doesn't matter. Postsundayblues.gmail.com if you want to know more about Emily's single mom cosplay that she apparently is into when she's pregnant. That, that was new to me. Well, there, Paul Harvey. Now we have the rest of the story. Um, Helen Wolves, any Helen Wolves for us? couple quick hits. Your sister wrote in, so... That's hey. new. Hi, Cammie. Cammie, thank you for saying... Sh- and it was... The email came... Right after we recorded last week, so mm-hmm. I didn't go back and check until this week, she was asking after why the sermon from two Sundays ago hadn't yet been posted oh. when Post Sunday Blues did. Cammy, thank you for staying on top of the feed like that. We really appreciate it. And yeah, our admin was out of town, and Eric and I just decided instead of putting that on somebody else's plate, because Beck is the one that usually posts the sermons, we would just let it go. Logistics. Let it go a week. And mm-hmm. that's what it was. But always great to hear from Cammy. And then it, I did get a text on Sunday afternoon from somebody that told me whenever he hears Covenant, he can't stop thinking about Russian dolls now and sent me a joke. That's such a meme. weird, like, I, the Russian doll thing is also an a- analogy that, like, I, I don't, I, you've used it several times now, obviously, same guy. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll keep using it until it does. That's your strategy with me. We have phase. Yeah, also, I thought we weren't allowed to mention Russians positively. (laughs) Russian dolls are still okay. Every time you mention it, I think about, like, the Russian dolls that my sister Cammie gave me that, like, some one of our kids destroyed. Oh, yeah. 
It's very sad. They were breaking covenants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's it. Uh, Jim is going on uh, post-COVID COVID trauma sabbatical. COVID relief. COVID relief. <laughs> Mini sabbatical. Um, which I can attest that he actually needs. <laughs> so, when you uh, want to get away. He's going to be out. Are you going to leave me to this feed by myself? <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> I'll talk more about your single mom adventures. So what we will do... Listen, I was not cosplaying as a single mom. I was enjoying the act of of other people's assumptions being not true. You do enjoy subverting people's yes. assumptions. So I get it. Just to let people know... We're the pod, the post any blues pod. So, so we're still going to do five golden things every other week, but post Sunday blues is going to be taking a break as well as my blog. I'm taking my content with me on mini sabbatical. So I'm going to be gone out of the office for the next three weeks from when this podcast drops. My first sermon Sunday back will be the first Sunday of Advent. Mm, Advent podcasts. And then we'll resume the that's so that's November 27th and we'll resume post Sunday blues after that Helen Wolves right in in the meantime and the sermon series for Advent this year I forget have I told you what we're doing nope the title is the plan all along Messiah and Pentateuch so the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy they're are considered to be four primary messianic texts okay. from the beginning of the Bible, and we're going to preach on those in successive weeks, including going back to the first one from Genesis chapter 3. So Let's a little bit it. of a tie-in to the Genesis sermon series, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Helen Wills, you can write in with your Advent questions, like just to give us some some um, Helen Wolf contact time yeah. for the very beginning. For sure. Um, okay, good stuff. Nice seeing you. Have a good break. Are you talking to me or them? <laughs> kind of you. Okay. <laughs> and oh, I will. with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. It's okay if we go on the shorter side for for this one. For my purposes or for yours? Uh, Both. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.